Hey, good morning, Chapel family. Happy Easter again, right? He's still risen. Man, singing that song, All Hail King Jesus, and just retelling and reminding ourselves of the story of the cross and the resurrection. Uh, it's why we meet every single Sunday. He's still risen, risen indeed. It's good to be with all of you. I want to remind you about a, a few important next steps. Um, for those of you that are newer, all the, the information is usually included in our worship program, and so I want to just encourage you again to look there. Um, but a couple next step opportunities, one of them is a significant next step, and that's baptism. And uh, we have some baptism services coming up during our weekend services. We'll celebrate baptisms on uh, May 6th and 7th, so really May 7th here at the Port Clinton campus. And uh, in order to prepare for that, we have a baptism class. It's a really more of an informational meeting, brief um, right after um, each of the morning worship services happening on uh, April 22nd and 23rd. And so just plan to stop, stop up here after um, the services and we'll meet and just walk you through what baptism is, what it's not. If you've, if you've got questions about that, if you come just for more info, it doesn't mean that you're locked in, like you're going to be forced to go under the water. Um, you know, it's your choice, but it's a significant next step in the spiritual journey of every person that's put their faith in Christ. And uh, it's a step of obedience. Jesus called us to baptize others. And so this is part of what we do as a church. It's a way of identifying um, with our own personal faith, identifying with Jesus and his mission, and, and saying publicly before others, I'm in, I'm all in, in following Jesus in my life. And so uh, if you want more information or you, you're interested we encourage you to text the word baptism to the number that's on the screen. Again, all that info is in here, and uh, we'll remind you about the, the info meetings, and you can, you can be with us and uh, plan to take that next step. Another great next step opportunity for all the ladies in the house, um, our, our monthly women's gathering called Renewed is kind of breaking for the, this month, and at each location, at each campus, we're having a very special women's worship night. And uh, some of you were part of our big worship night um, a, a month or so ago, and all three campuses came together. Well, this is just each campus and each group of ladies. And so if you're a woman, you are invited to come and just worship and pray, and uh, they're, they're going to be collecting items um, for foster care ministry. There's more information right out at the table uh, in the atrium today if you want to find out you know, what items you can bring to donate towards foster care. Uh, we believe in life, all life, and we want to be a part of making a difference in the lives of um, children and kids and foster families. And uh, so in order to come, we encourage ladies to bring, uh, bring a, a donated item. And then there, are, there is child care available. And uh, so you can, you can do that, and uh, we'll be prepared for you. So try to register in advance. Again, the information is in the worship program. And then we don't want to leave the guys out, dads, uh, this is going to be so cool um, at Beulah Beach, an awesome camp ministry uh, that's Jesus-centered right on the lake, uh, close by here in Vermilion, and a father-son retreat coming up. Now, this isn't until August 4th and 6th. The reason we're telling you now is because this is such a popular retreat that they host. It will fill up instantaneously, and so we're trying to get in on it. Um, in fact, I have a feeling that if, all, if, if a lot of dads and sons register, it might just be a chapel retreat because, because um, our, people, our guys from all three campuses, you know, guys, we only have 18, 18 summers with our boys. 
You ever thought about it that way? That messed with me as I thought about it. My, my youngest son, Carter, he's 16 years old. I got, I got like two more summers. Like, let's make the most of those opportunities to invest in our relationship with our boys. And so father-son retreats coming up. You can scan the QR code. Again, this is in the worship program. Or you can text the word FATHER to our text-in number. That's going to take you directly, I believe, to Beulah Beach's website where you can register. There's some costs involved. It's not a cheap experience. But, I mean, you talk about fun and paintball and games and tubing and jet skiing and meat, lots of meat, like on the grill. (laughs) Just, you know... So do it, guys. Register, sign up your son. Um, moms, buy it for a gift for your your hub, hubby and 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 one of your one of your boys, um, and uh, be a part of that Beulah Beach retreat coming up. Then this Thursday, um, eleven thirty to one thirty, uh, just open prayer time. This room is open. It's just kind of a holy place, just to pause in the middle of the month and just rest. Take some time to be with Jesus. Take some time to pray. If you need prayer, there are some people here that would be willing to just pray for you and over you. And that's, uh, it's just open prayer time, 1130 to 1.30. So if you can slide over during a lunch break or something, or if you're tired, you've got more freedom. Um, and even if you're working and you can't make it to the building, to the campus, just, just this Thursday, just pause at noon to pray. And you'll know that you'll be joining others that are praying at the same time from your church family. Okay, so that's this Thursday, pause uh, prayer gathering. Well, this weekend is here. We are launching into a brand new message series where over the next 21 weeks, we are going to journey chapter by chapter through the gospel of John, this powerful uh, story of the life of Jesus. And if you've ever wondered more about Jesus or, or you've followed Jesus for many years and you just want to grow closer to him, understand his heartbeat even more, the Gospel of John is a powerful place to start. And yet at the same time, it could be maybe you are here just the weekend after Easter and decide, hey, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll give it another week. And, or, or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but to be honest, you're, you've got questions, even when it comes to the Gospel of John, like, well, who is John, right? We don't want to make any assumptions, or, or maybe you're wondering, okay, it's 2023, Todd, like, what does this ancient book written thousands of years ago have to do with the here and now? We live in 2023. Um, what, is it, what does it have to do with my life? Is, why is it even important to me? Or maybe you're wondering, can I even trust what John has to say? Or maybe you're here wondering, can I even trust what the Bible has to say. This is, a, um, this is a pretty special children's Bible of mine. Now, I grew up going to church, um, but I, I have a secret to tell you. I didn't buy this Bible until I was 17 years old. Actually, I guess I would have been 19 years old, 20 maybe. It was at, it was at age 17 that um, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'd grown up going to church, but I didn't really get what it was all about. I just thought it was a good thing that you did on Sundays. Um, in fact, I remember when I was like, I think, 12 years old, I went through a confirmation class, and I memorized, I, I memorized all of the books of the Bible in their right order. But I did not know what those books of the Bible contained. I didn't know the overall story 
of the Bible. I didn't know the most important truth that this book holds of how to have a relationship with the God that created us through a personal relationship with Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah of the world. And so we don't want to, as we jump into the book of John, we don't want to just um, assume that you have all the answers. I actually bought this Bible when I was a sophomore in college. I, I, I gave my life to Christ as a junior in high school. I started reading the Bible some, and then I felt like I, it, it meant so much to me what Jesus had done for my life. I felt like I, I just wanted to spend the rest of my life sharing that with other people. And so I transferred and went off to a, a Bible college. Now, I'll never forget sitting in Old Testament survey, my first Bible class, and I'm sitting in there, and you know the professor, he starts saying things like, oh, and you'll remember the story of so-and-so and so-and-so, and you remember the tribe of such-and-such. And I looked around, and I mean, everybody's like nodding, and they're like with him, they're like tracking and sit secretly inside. I mean, I didn't let them know this, but secretly inside, I'm like, nope. I don't know them. I, I don't know that. I don't know those characters. I don't. I don't know those stories. I don't know those tribes. Is on that day I, I went to a, a Goodwill thrift shop, and I found this children's Bible on the rack, and I was like, I got to get a grasp of this thing. And I bought it, and I took it home, and I read the entire thing, the rest of the night, because I didn't know the basic stories of the Bible. And so as, as we begin the book of John, we don't want to just assume that you know. Maybe you're with me. Maybe you're like, yeah, please tell me, Todd. <laughs> don't assume. Don't, don't say, oh, you know about or you remember because deep down you don't. Or maybe you, you went to church all your life, but you didn't pay attention or, or they never talked about some of these things. The, 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 like the, it was like the Bible was a holy book but it wasn't one that you ever opened for yourself. So we want to we just step back for a moment as we begin the Gospel of John and look a little bit broader at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even step back a little further to say, well, what about the Bible in general, right? And what's interesting, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're these four Gospels that all talk about the life of Jesus, and, and Luke's gospel actually starts this way. It says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. These were real events, okay, that they're tracking. It says, they used the eyewitness reports. That's going to be very important. Eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. And Luke says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So, so Theophilus is what, what most scholars believe was probably a wealthy friend of Luke. Luke was a disciple of Jesus. And uh, Theophilus, by hearing about Jesus and the story of Christ, put his faith in Jesus, and yet it seems that Theophilus wanted more evidence and more understanding. He, he wanted to get to know truly this Jesus. 
And, and it's likely that uh, Theophilus maybe underwrote the writing of the Gospel of Luke by Luke just to get some more good information. He wanted to know. He wanted to explore. He wanted to be certain. And so Luke sets out to write this, this account, this careful account he talks about. And he, and he says, listen, and I want you to know, Luke is saying this, I'm not the only one writing this story. In fact, remember, he says many other people have set out to write accounts about the things that have happened amongst us. There was something about Jesus. There was something about his life. There was something compelling that not just one, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and these are the ones that we know of, and, and maybe many others started to write about the life of Jesus. So why would so many people write to cover the same person and the same events? <laughs> because something extraordinary happened. It's what we celebrated last weekend on Easter. You see, you know, if you would have said, well, who wants to write a book now on Good Friday? Well, (laughs) we see how that turned out. I mean, he taught, he did miracles, he did all this stuff, and he said he was, but then he went and he just died like a criminal. There'd There'd be no story to tell. There'd be no writings to share. There'd be no life change That's the amazing thing about Easter. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. It's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, 32. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all, what? Witnesses of this. You guys, there were real, like we forget about this. There were real people like you and me, flesh and blood, and they saw it happen. They saw Jesus after he rose from the tomb, and it was like everything that he said before was validated. In fact, it wasn't just validated. I mean, it had a whole new weight of meaning. If somebody said something to you and they told you that they were going to die and that they were going to rise from the dead three days later and then they actually did it, Wouldn't that change the power of their words? The one that holds life and death and overcomes the grave in victory? What does he have to say? It changed everything, you guys. And so we have these four accounts that we, that, that we uh, include in our Bible, which, by the way, when Luke started writing the Bible, when John started writing his account, he didn't know he was writing the Bible. He was just trying to, Luke was just trying to get an accurate record because of all these incredible things that had happened to share with Theophilus. Little did he know God would inspire him as he wrote and that those books would eventually be included in the Bible as we know it. But when Luke was writing it, he was just writing a letter to his friend Theophilus. Let me tell you about everything that's happened here. And and we've got four accounts that are now included in the scriptures, the four gospels, which includes John. But what do we know about these guys And, and, and their books? Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. I mean... Yeah, wealthiest of the wealthy, but lowest of the low in view in other people's eyes. Like tax collectors are known as the, the rip-off artists and, and, and just taking advantage of people. And yet Matthew's life was radically changed when he encountered Jesus. And, and so much so, he started to write 
about Jesus and, and write an account just like Luke would, just like John would. And it's, Matthew's account is primarily addressed to the Jews. It's why some say that his, the original writings were in Hebrew so that the Jewish people would be able to easily read it. And Matthew includes all kinds of Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. Why? Because he's writing to the Jewish people who were looking for a Messiah. And then I think about Mark, otherwise known as John Mark. Mark is a book of action. And some people debate even on the authorship of Mark, or at least uh, the penmanship of Mark. Uh, Some believe that Mark was perhaps illiterate and that Peter was the one that Mark had write the text for him. Who knows? I'm not here to debate that. What we do know is it was included in Scripture. It's inspired. It, it, it tells the story of Jesus in, in real and living color and action. And then Luke. We've already read a little bit of the beginning of Luke's gospel. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. Thankfully, they, somehow they made out his handwriting. Because remember, this, this was before... Sorry, sorry. There's doctors in the house. Like, I shouldn't have said it. You should see my handwriting. It is horrible. Like, it's worse, it's worse than two doctors put together. Uh, it's why I, t- I have to type everything. My, when, I, when I'm thinking, my hand can't keep up with my brain, you know? And, so, and it's just, you know, it's just scribbles. Um, but, but Luke is a physician. He's into the, the minute details. It's such a thorough account, remember? He said he was going to write a, a careful account Again, we, we need to remember this about the Bible that we hold in our hands now. These are real people writing about what they had really witnessed and seen and heard. And they were careful about this. And Luke includes all the, all the greatest details. And then we come to John, the book that we're going to study over the next 21 weeks. John was a fisherman. I mean, he was just a man's man, a regular guy. And he, he, was, he was a passionate individual. And in the, in the scriptures, he's, he's nicknamed by the other disciples and others as the one whom Jesus loved, like the favorite. I don't know, there was something like Jesus had his 12, and then it seems like he had a closer group of three, and then like John was like his right-hand man, his best friend. And that's the gospel that we're going to read. And like I said, John, John, he's passionate. And sometimes, though, passion, it, it can get you in trouble, can't it? Like, I remember uh, Pastor Bill, our founding pastor of the chapel, he said, hey, listen, easier to bridle a wild stallion than get a dead horse moving. <laughs> and and just some truth to that. But, but John was one of the ones he needed, he needed reeled in a little bit sometimes. He had such a passion for truth, and yet sometimes he just, man, he was just known for just blurting it out and saying things, and, and, and sometimes a little strong, right? Maybe that's somebody that you know in this room. You're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like so-and-so, or oh, she's like that, right? John learned the secret, uh, got questions, put it this way, uh, that the zeal for the truth must always be balanced with a love for people. John was zealous for the truth. I mean, he stood on the truth. But he had to learn, and I mean, who better to learn it from than Jesus himself, the man that fully balanced grace and truth all at the same time for every individual that he came across. So John's gospel, <laughs> we, we, we know it was written by a fisherman, just a, an everyday kind of guy, and 
who was very, very close to Jesus, the one that Jesus loved, a man full of passion and with a, with a hunger and a desire for the truth and to share the truth. And we learn something about the purpose of John's gospel. Like, why did he write this book anyway? Because remember, this took a lot of effort. This was, you know, writing the Bible, and they didn't know that they were writing the Bible. They're just being led by God's Spirit to write this account about Jesus. It was costly. It was not cheap. I mean, and, and it was not easy. It was tedious. They didn't have typewriters or keyboards or spell check or whiteout. It was old school papyrus and, and quill and pen. And why would they go to so much trouble, right? Well, we know the trouble. John described it. He says, listen, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And that word disciples, it's much broader than just like the 12 that were always with Jesus. It's speaking of like the crowds, the flocks of people that would just kind of from afar follow Jesus wherever he went because they just wanted to hear what he was going to say next. They wanted to see what he was going to do next. This is the, and, and, and John is saying, listen, this book that I'm this account that I'm writing for you, it, it can't possibly contain all the things that Jesus said and all the miracles that, that he performed in front of the disciples, in front of eyewitness people that saw them happen, right? He says, which are not recorded in this book, but, let's look at that, but these are written, he says, so that you may believe. There it is. There's the whole point, you guys. It's it's why we have the letter of John, and it's why we have this book. So that we would believe. It's a subtitle of this series in the Gospel of John. So that they may believe. And he says, so that they may believe what? Well, in Jesus. He's the, he's the, he's the object of the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it's Jesus. <laughs> so that they might believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and get this, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, John was writing not just to get us to believe some thoughts or truths about Jesus. He was writing so that we would believe, so that we would experience real life. It's why in John 10, 10, he says, uh, Jesus says, I've, I've come that, might, that they might have what? Life. And life to the full, life to the max, life abundant. And John is the one that recorded that, Jesus' own words. And here John is saying for himself, listen, let me tell you why I'm writing this letter, why I'm going to all this trouble. It's so that you might believe. And so if you're here and like you're even kind of still exploring faith or you're exploring faith again, you're in the perfect spot. We're in the perfect spot. I, you know, I mean, I... I bought this whenever I was 19 or whatever, and for the last over 30 years, I've been studying the Bible and reading the Bible, and there's still so much, so much to know, so much to learn. So it's, it's a book that's living and active, is what it says about itself. Like You could read the Gospel of John, and then you could read it again, and then again, and again, and again, and God is going to like highlight things and and awaken our minds and alert our spirits to new things day by day. I don't, you guys, all the trouble, right? 
And if, if, if John's account of the life of Jesus is all that you have, the great thing is, John's account is all that you need. It's so thorough. Covers his whole life. It, it, it contains the most prominent and important truths to be able to have a relationship with Jesus. Think about it. The epicenter, right? Uh, like, like, I mean, the, the verse that religious, irreligious, I mean, sports fans, whoever, everybody knows it. They, they might know it. They might be able to quote it. But do they really know it? Do they know him? Do they know that God so loved the world, which includes them, which includes you, which includes me, that, that God would give his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life? We'll look more at John 3.16 on our baptism weekend celebration. So <laughs> these books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, 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 the reports about Jesus, they were circulating throughout um, the region until A.D. 303. And Emperor Diocletian comes into power in Rome. And he was a brilliant man. He was a smart man. I mean, he helped, the, the, he helped Rome just excel in so many ways. And yet, what he was probably known for even more than his smarts and his wisdom and how he helped Rome was his absolute hatred of Christians, of the Christian faith. In fact, uh, Got Questions puts it this way about Diocletian. It says, during his nine-year reign of terror, Christians were hunted, stripped of their rights, brutalized, and killed. It was horrific, some of the things that happened to people of faith, people that had put their faith in Jesus, the one that John was writing about, and it, and it wasn't just that um, you know he tried to get rid of Christians. He got he tried to get rid of anything that was associated with Christianity, including the letters of John. I mean, the biblical text was hard to come by. Was hard to. I mean, they didn't have it like this, guys, all bound and ready for us. You know, with all the other books, these were. These were letters that got circulated, shared, yeah, and, th and then they'd get copied, and it was like a big deal. Like, if, if, you, if you had the Gospel of John, like, that was unbelievable. If, if you even had a portion of the Gospel of John, maybe a page, during the time of Diocletian, Christians, they would gather in secret, in the dark, at night, and they'd bring it out, and they'd look at it together. And they'd read the truth, reminding themselves of who Jesus is. You guys, in our Bibles, they, I mean, our shelves are full of them and our nightstands and there's dust on the top of them. And I mean, they cherished this book, this letter. So why, why risk your life for such a document? I mean, if... if uh, if Diocletian was just trying to get rid of everybody and everything, and it was dangerous, like you could be arrested, you could be hauled off, you could be killed, and then, and then the book of John just be, be ripped and torn and burned up, along with your life and your family because of faith in Jesus, why? Why would you risk? Why would they risk writing it? Why would, they, why would John risk 
transcribing it? Why, why would people risk copying it and, and passing it along to others? <laughs> because it was sacred. It was inspired. Over 200 years before the Gospel of John would ever be included in this book that we now call the Bible, people recognized it as inspired. Like this was, there was something about this. You ever had something that's just so like sacred to you, like so special, maybe a heirloom, you know, something that, and then you, you lose it, you misplace it. I, I heard a story this week, it's a crazy story. Many of you know Pastor Ryan Order. He says hi, by the way. I texted him this week. Ryan served as our campus pastor here at the Port Clinton campus. And I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Ryan had a, uh, his grandparent was a professor of the Bible, Prof. Crawford. He served at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. At one time, it was Grand Rapids Baptist Seminary. In fact, um, I got to take a class from Pastor Ryan's grandpa, Prof. Crawford. I had him for systematic theology. Well, um, during his life, Ryan's grandpa had written a book about his own life, kind of a biography, and how he had come to faith in Jesus. And yet, that book had gone missing. And... um, crazy story. So Pastor Charles, who serves as our campus pastor at our Norwalk campus, his dad was also a pastor. And his dad actually took classes at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary years ago. And uh, Pastor Charles' dad was going through some of his old books and written folders and different things, and he came across this little book written by Professor Crawford. And he was, he was he, so he mentioned it to Charles. He's like, hey, I came across this old book. I don't know, I was going to just throw it away, but you think Ryan would want it? And Charles was like, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it to him, see if he, see if he wants it. And, and so then there in an office, Charles just sat with Pastor Ryan. He said, hey, I've got something for you. My dad found this. And as he pulled it out, and Ryan saw what it was, and Ryan, he didn't cry often, but his, his eyes just welled up with tears. And he held it, and he held it close to his heart. It was like the most special gift that he could ever receive because his grandpa had passed away. And this book that they thought was gone forever and missing, he was now holding. It, it was sacred to him in that moment. Man, we've gotten so used to our Bibles. We've got them everywhere. And there's, but I want you to know there's still places in the world where, where the first time they get a copy of even just the New Testament or of just the Gospel of John, I mean, they throw a party like they celebrate. They're singing and dancing because it's sacred. It's the inspired Word of God that points to the to the, to the life changer, Jesus. Well, thankfully, in 324, Diocletian, there was a changeover in Rome, and Constantine took over. And when Constantine the Great came in, he released all these bans against Christians and against Christian texts. And, and so what happened was the, the Gospel of John started to be, be copied again and, and shared and and, and along with it, the other Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke 
And and along with that, then letters from the Apostle Paul, the epistles to these different regions where he had began churches and and the the Old Testament Torah and the the text of old and, and the Bible as we know it then was finally compiled. And we hold it today. And yet, at the end of the day, if all we had was the Gospel of John, we would have enough. And so here's our next steps together. Number one, let's just read this sacred, inspired book together. All right? Let's just start reading. If you've got a Bible, just start, just start reading it today. And, and if you want some help with that, we, we've, uh, we've partnered with the Dwell app. And because of people's generosity here at the chapel, this was a special part of our uh, Next Step um, initiative initiative. And, and so if you haven't downloaded the Dwell app, you, you get it for free. We're covering the cost of it. You can scan, you can text the word chapel to 39383. All, this info is on there. I know, sorry, it sounds like a commercial. It's to get you into, it's to get us together into this powerful letter. And we've created a custom reading plan so that over the next 30 days starting today, you, you can read day by day, and in 30 days, you'll have read the entire book of John, and, and uh, we can join each other. And, and so you just download the app. If you've already downloaded it, I think you already have an email in your inbox that gives the directions on how to get to our particular reading plan. And if you're new to Dwell and you download it today, then sometime this week, We'll get you an email, and it walks you through how to how to find the the 30-day reading the chapel's 30-day reading plan through the book through the Gospel of John. So let's just read this book. This is a book that people died for, you guys. It's that important. And then secondly, I just want to invite you to come back, come back next week, and bring a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the racks on the way out. You just take one and you just keep it, and it's yours. This is this important. Bring your Bible every week because chapter by chapter, we're going to just look at it and lean into it and read what John wrote. And remember, this was an eyewitness account of the Jesus that can change everything in our lives. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you.